Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. The title today is We Come Bearing Gifts. We're going to talk about some special special characters. When you read the Gospels, it becomes immediately obvious that um, the details of Jesus' death and resurrection are more important than the details of his birth and even the first portion of his life. So more than a quarter, really close to a half of, of the pages of the Gospel are devoted to the final week of Jesus' life including his death and his resurrection. All four Gospels give it wall-to-wall coverage. Only two of the Gospels, only Matthew and only Luke, devote any space to telling the birth narrative, the account of Jesus' birth. And that's in just a, even that uses up only four chapters. And even in those four chapters, you've got a genealogy in there. You've got the birth of John the Baptist. You've got the first 30 years of Jesus' life all wrapped up in just a few chapters in just two of the Gospels. Meanwhile, all four Gospels tell us about his death and resurrection. So it shouldn't surprise us that we only get a brief telling of what is honestly a marvelous encounter, the visit of the Magi. We call them wise men. We call them the three kings. Uh, but really, they were serious Eastern uh, astrology mystics. And it's it's possible. Now, this it's some kind of theories. People are really trying to figure who were these guys. It's possible that they were Jewish or descended from like a Jewish school of this kind of practice, this kind of thought um, that... Daniel, who'd been in exile 600 years earlier to Babylon and became, you know, the dream interpreter. The Daniel, who would have really been of this kind, may have kind of developed a school to train these guys who were going to learn to watch for the Messiah and so on. We don't, we don't know. Uh, we know they're from the east, um, which would today would be like Iraq. Um, the Bible uses the word magi and that's all we know. That's it. And of course, every nativity depiction, every, if you've got a little nativity set, you're going to have three wise men, right? You got three wise men with your nativity set. And that's just a reflection of the three gifts that they brought. We don't know how many visitors came. We saw in our children's production that there might have been a fourth one popping up a little later, right? Somewhere along the way, tradition gave them names, uh, Melchor, Balthazar, and Casper. Again, purely fiction. But it's nice that they have a name, you know. Uh, when you set up uh, your nativity set, you should actually set them up way east of your manger. So if your nativity set is like the centerpiece of your table, uh, it, you know, on your dining table, then the wise men, you place them somewhere over in the kitchen or somewhere else. Because they weren't there. Like, they didn't, you know, bump into the shepherds on their way into the house. Excuse me, excuse me, okay. Who are those guys? The shepherds, right? That's not what happened. They were there sometime within the first two years uh, of Jesus' life, as we know from uh, Herod's attempt to exterminate uh, all children under two years old. So just so we kind of set the stage of these guys. But we're going to read about these mysterious guests in Matthew chapter 2. Matthew is the first of the, of the Gospels in the New Testament. 
And I would like to read that for you, but um, we're able, if you're able to stand with me for the reading of God's Word, please do so. Here's how Matthew records this. Matthew chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, it says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And about that time, some wise men, magi from eastern lands, arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. Verse 6, And you, O Bethlehem, in land of Judah, are not least among uh, the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. And he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. And after this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and was stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Let's be seated together. We thank the Lord for His Word this morning. People have, you know, tried to poke all kinds of holes into into this account, saying, well, why didn't Herod just go look himself? Well, you can imagine that Herod, who already had a reputation as a pretty brutal character, uh, would have created quite a stir and, and would have given reason for for them to run and hide the child and so on. Uh, so we thank the Lord for the for His Word this morning. Now, I'll tell you a little bit something about myself. I'm going to show you a picture here. Growing up, our family car was a 1969 Pontiac Parisienne Grand uh, four-door hardtop with a 350 and a three-speed uh, three column shifter. It was much like this car, except it had a blue vinyl top. And it was... You know, if if I could have that car today, right, right. I have memories of that car coming from Canada, driving to Disneyland in that car, and driving to see the see uh, see Mount Rushmore, and, and and you know, kind of traveled all over the place. Six family members in that car um, because you could do that in those those beasts of of machines. Just this massive massive boat. Um, of a car and and I tell you that to tell you this what I re- one of the things I remember from that car was a bumper sticker uh, and maybe you had this was exactly like this uh, wise men still seek him did anybody ever you ever recall seeing that bumper sticker anybody yeah I, I remember that as as a kid and it really kind of made that impression on me um, I think it's still a good slogan because it's still true and it's it's one of the great takeaways from the story of the wise man or the magi and it's this that only seekers find only seekers find now I know when I'm up here on this platform I'm expected to be 
politically uh, somewhat correct and somewhat gender sensitive and all those things. Um, but I won't be in this moment because I'm a classic guy in many ways, including that I cannot find stuff. I look, but things hide from me. And I'll search, for example, through the fridge. I'm like, it is not here. And my precious, long-suffering wife has to come and say, it's right here. Or she'll say, look down by your knees. It's right there. I'm like, it, because it's right in front of you. Did you even look? Yes, I looked. I looked very carefully. I searched for the child. And it was nowhere to be found, right? Um, listen, I, I, I don't know what that's about. I don't know if anybody else suffers from that melody. But I know the wise men went seeking and they found. And they found. They, they had to leave the comfort of their homeland. They, they went, uh, you know, traveled a great distance. They, you know, went to great expense to confirm what they had already discovered by seeking the constellations in the stars. By the way, there is an incredible video called uh, The Star of Bethlehem. Uh, uh, if I thought about it for a minute, I'd remember who the presenter is. Um, but you can ask me about it later. That really he unpacks um, using... Uh, uh, anyway, it's just incredible explaining the work of the constellations and how it really does make sense and really does point to this time and this place and the Christ child. But you can watch that sometime on your own. But Jeremiah 29, 13 is one of my favorite verses where God says, if you seek me, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. If you seek me, you'll find me if you seek me with all your heart. That's what God says to his people. Conversely, If you don't seek, you won't find. Right? The warning with seeking is to not pre-decide what we're looking for. That's part of my problem. For example, if I'm looking in the freezer for what I think is a blue carton of praline ice cream, I may not see that it's a green carton of ice cream because I was looking for the blue one. You understand? Uh, We sometimes pre-decide which means we only see what we're actually looking for. Some people can't seem to find God because they have predetermined what God should be like. What should He he be like? They're, They're not able to see God for the holiness and the complexity that He is because they want a God in their own image. They want to determine what God's going to look like. Maybe they want a God who has zero standards. I can do whatever I want. doesn't really matter. There's no judgment whatsoever. And yet meet all my needs, right? Like a genie in a bottle. That's, that's what I think God should be like. And I can't find him, right? It's because he doesn't exist. Or maybe they want a God of judgment and fire and punishment because they want some people to get what they deserve. And they can't see God because They're not ready to also see mercy and grace and compassion. Right? So the invitation is to seek God, not to seek our idea of God. What should God be like? We want to see God as He is. My question for you as you conclude 2021 and move into 2022 is this. Are you seeking the living God as He truly is? Yes.
because only seekers find. Now, if you've ever had a conversation with your spouse that goes something like this around Christmas time, hey, what did I give you last year? Or, what did I get for Christmas last year from my wife? Or what did I give the kids last do you, have you ever had this conversation? Those of you who are married with your spouse, do you remember at all what we gave the kids last year? Like some of you are really good. You keep track. You write it down. You are amazing. Listen, I am not in your category. I'm, I'm not at your level, right? It's pretty funny at, at times. Like, ooh, do, should we even give gifts if we don't remember uh, what they are? Um, the thing we most remember about the Magi are... The gifts, the gold, the frankincense, the myrrh. And those are very memorable gifts. Uh, you know, even if gifts are not your love language, if some gave you a pot of gold, you'd remember and you'd appreciate it, right? Um, it's been said that gold is symbolic of Jesus' royalty and that, uh, you know, he's the king of kings. It's been said that frankincense is symbolic of his deity because incense is something that's used in, in worship. Myrrh is said to be symbolic of Jesus' humanity as it was used at Jesus' crucifixion. If you recall, Jesus was offered an, an analgesic, a painkiller of, of wine and myrrh mixed together, but he refused it. And then myrrh was used to embalm his body as it were, they were going to use it as an embalming spice. And we'll sing about those symbolic gifts in the song after the message, We Three Kings. And I'm not really here to dwell on the meaning of the gifts. You know, it's somewhat speculative, but it's worth thinking about for sure they were costly they could have kind of supported joseph and mary and jesus in the early years of his life and so on the gifts they brought are important for many reasons but most of all they remind us that worship is meant to be a sacrificial offering it's meant to cost you something if your worship has no sort of personal cost to it it's it's not really that impactful it's not Maybe truly worship. Um, you know, these guys, these were expensive gifts. These are not dollar store stocking stuffers, right? High value gifts. And it's customary in Middle Eastern culture. When you make a visit to somebody, you bring a gift. And you can kind of expect a gift in return. There's sort of this exchange that happens in a visit. You give and you receive, but not the Magi. The Magi came in their culture bearing gifts, but they expected nothing in return. There was nothing coming back to them. And yet, what an experience for them, right? Their worship actually gave them more than anything money could buy. They received more than they could possibly ask for or imagine. They met the Son of God, King of kings and Lord of lords. It reminds us of the amazing gift of salvation that God offers to us by faith in Jesus, that You know, I yield my life to him and he gives me a new life. He gives me a new heart. He gives me a new purpose, a new value. Even though I give him my whole life. The Magi, they would not have uh, had this experience without the generosity of their travel and the generosity of their gifts. And so I would say it this way. Only givers gain. Only givers gain. Gain. It's kind of counterintuitive. 
And you could say, well, what about the shepherds? I mean, they didn't come with gifts. They, they, you know, they, and, and they received, they gained from their experience. Right. What could they bring though? And they had empty pockets and yet they brought their very selves and they brought their obedience and their worship and they brought their joy and they spread that to others. When I say only givers gain, I want you to think about it this way. Janice had mentioned our, our Youth for Christ uh, program. And if you picked up one of those gifts or more than, even more than one of those gifts, maybe where you used another angel tree in, in town or whatever, did you expect a gift in return? Right? When you, when you brought it back this morning, you're like, boy, I hope I get something. Oh man, I wonder what I'm getting. Can I take one of the other gifts? No, it's not a gift exchange. You came and you received. I mean, you came and you gave without expecting to receive, right? And assuming you did so out of joy and not out of obligation, did you not experience a little boost, some kind of endorphins or some kind of happy chemicals in your brain as you as you gave? You received back a sense of like, I'm glad I did that. I'm, I was happy to participate. Some kind of boost. Maybe in another scenario, you made a, a, a contribution to a big contribution to a charity of some kind and, and you felt that you actually benefited more than the recipient did. It's because the Bible tells us, Jesus himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. There's a blessing in the giving. There's a joy in the giving. But in doing so, there's a, a reward that comes back without even looking for it. And likewise, when you come to to worship, when you we gather and we sing our songs together and we lift the name of Jesus together, do you come to give or do you come to receive? Do you come to give or do you come to receive? Beware of tuning into radio station WIIFM. Do you know what station that is? WIIFM. Some of us listen to it too much. What's in it for me? What I gain is less important than a what I can contribute than what I serve. The spiritual principle is this. It's givers who gain from the Lord. I think about those of you who are freezing your tails off every night out there and journey to Bethlehem. No one's going to pay you for your time. You might not get as many thank yous as you would like to hear. And yet I go through there and I see nothing but smiles. Why? You're receiving because you're giving. God's placing something in your heart as you've been able to contribute. And so thankful to those of you who've been able to do that. Only givers gain. I do wonder about these magi. You want to imagine these, these guys are professional stargazers. It's what they do. They're professionals at it. They've been trained to look at the constellations and interpret. Okay, I see that movement colliding with that one. So that means, well, maybe they knew Psalm 19. Psalm 19, the psalmist says, the heavens proclaim, the heavens, the stars, the sky proclaims the glory of God. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or a word, yet their message has gone throughout the earth. Everyone wants to hear God speak And I believe he speaks all the time, but only listeners hear. Only listeners hear. I'm not advising astrology, by the way. The Bible forbids it. Looking at horoscopes and 
studying the stars. That's very explicitly forbidden for the believer. And yet God speaks even there. That's the amazing thing of God. He speaks through that place to these magi. They heard him speak through the stars. Not only that, they heard God speak to them in a dream to avoid having to interact with King Herod and, you know, betray the exact location of the Christ child as they went home. This is so obvious and yet so hard for us. We live in a noisy, noisy world. And we're bombarded by, let's be honest, we're bombarded by by deceit, deceptive authorities and, and defective media that just just kind of want to tell you what you want to hear. Uh, you, whatever you click on in your social media, is you're, you're going to be fed more of the same. That's how the algorithms work, so they can sell you the right kind of stuff. Right? It's hard to know who's telling the truth. It's hard to know who to believe. Jesus warned us that a mark of the last days would be deception. Jesus says, beware that you are not deceived. That's that's a key indicator of the last days, which means deception is a reality. It's all around us. And the noise is just louder and louder. It's just growing more and more. It's like listening to a radio that's all staticky. In in my vehicle, one of my vehicles, the the radio is horrible. And I I really can't get much of anything and and you just kind of turn up the volume to try to hear something and it's just more and more static and more and more noise that's the way it it feels around us it takes quiet it takes stillness to hear god speak i I don't want you i spend way too much time in front of screens i do i do and i don't hear god speak there not usually it takes a willingness to believe that that he can, he can and will still speak through his word or through another person or sometimes even through a dream like we see here. It also takes a willingness. Listen, this is hard. It takes a willingness to be okay with long periods of silence to hear God speak. Some of you have been praying about something and you've been asking the Lord for an answer to something for years. And the Lord says, wait, keep seeking me. Sometimes it takes a willingness to listen for a long time. And then when we do hear, are we actually listening? A family friend of ours um, <laughs> tells a story of missing uh, an international flight one time. He was sitting in the airport waiting and he heard his name being paged on the intercom. He's a pretty humble guy. And he said, Huh, what are the chances of someone else with my name in this airport? (laughs) Most of us would be arrogant enough to think, that's obviously me that they're calling. He's like, wow, I hope that guy gets his flight. He missed his flight. Didn't put it together. He heard, but he wasn't really listening. And maybe there's a catch in all this. Maybe God speaks and allows us to hear clearly when he knows that we'll obey. Right? Maybe the secret to hearing is to listen with the intent to respond. To, the intent to do what God speaks. What, what would be the point, for example, of allowing the Magi to see the signs in the stars or in giving them a, a dream if they wouldn't actually follow through and go, if they wouldn't take it seriously, if they would just write a blog post about it or, or just say, wow, this is happening over there. 
I mean, I'm not going to anything to do about it, but right. What would be the point of that if they weren't going to respond? Friends, we live in a time like which feels to me like no other. Of course, we know the history cycles and repeats. So it's a time that none of us have experienced before. Let's put it that way. We have more information available to us than imaginable. Right. We have more amazing discoveries and things that, 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 that we can grasp. We humans are marvelous creatures and have invented and built and accomplished beyond our wildest imagination. It's astounding. We are wise in our own eyes, are we not? And yet. It's the wise ones who still seek him. The wise ones seek him. Are you wisely seeking to encounter Jesus? Not so you can be like all the world around you, like everybody else, but so that you can be more like him. Because only seekers find. And do you come to him in generosity and sacrifice of of worship as the Magi did? Because only givers gain. And do you ever intentionally slow down and get quiet, maybe turn off some devices or whatever it takes, because only listeners hear. That's the invitation for us. If I could kind of give you one challenge in the season that honestly gets really busy, it's to say, God, I want to be more like the Magi. I want to seek so I can find. I'm going to give so knowing that there's a gain in that. I want to listen so I will hear. I invite Christy and Lorraine to lead us in a couple more songs and as we worship together. Um, let's just reflect on that. Let's pray together. God, I, I, um, and what I wouldn't give to, to talk to those magi, I just would love to hear who they were, how they got there, how they figured that out what their experience was, how much gold was it, Lord? There's so many things I would like to know, but, but what you're telling us today is they were seekers and they found you. Others could have sought, others could have looked, and they didn't. And God, I, I, my heart's desire is that you would make us good seekers, good listeners, good givers, so that we we could encounter and, and receive all that you do have for us. As we worship, as we interact with each other, as we serve you and serve others, as we serve our community. And Jesus, my prayer more than anything is that in this season, we would have a fresh encounter with you to recognize the grace that it took of God to send you to us so that we could know you. We thank you for that this season. We love you, Lord. We give you our praise. Amen. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.